Matthew chapter 25. Matthew uh, 25. Tonight, we're concluding this series entitled Endgame that's been all about um, what is the endgame. I don't know what that is, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to annoy me all service long, so I'm just going to throw it underneath the stage because that's good leadership. <laughs> I'm a visual perfectionist, so like I've lint rolled my shirt 12 times today already, so that would have bugged me all service long. But um, it's the, it's the last night of our, our series entitled Endgame. This has been a series all about what's the end game when it comes to fill in the blank. And we've talked about all different types of things in life. Uh, we've talked about friends and family and school and, and, and what does it mean to be a Christian and, and church and all of that. And um, uh, two verses that this, this whole series came from. One of them is Matthew chapter 22, verse number, uh, let's, let's go verse number 37. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I love, I love that over and over and over again. It uses the word all. Just like this, uh, this verse in Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 5 and 6. It says, trust in, uh, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. The series in a sentence for this whole series, the kind of concluding statement for this has been the end game in all things in all areas of all of life is God. And every week we've talked about this whole idea of a list versus a diagram. And a list looking something like this, if you've grown up in church, you've probably at some point in time been told, you should have a priority list. And at the top of your priority list should be God. It should be Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm going to put Jesus at the top. But the problem with that is that if you have a priority list, you could wake up in the morning, you could do your daily Bible, and then you can just cross out God and move on to the rest of your life. But the thing is, is that's not the way that Jesus has called us to follow him. It's, it's a little bit more like this, where God is at the center and involved in absolutely everything. Relationships, friends, family, school, sports, dreams, career, money, dream, like aspirations, even hobbies, everything. God should be at the center of it all because he's the end game when it comes to all things in all areas of all of life. And tonight, that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about life. What is the end game with life? Because here's the thing. Everyone will die. <laughs> we're here to build you up, not beat you up. Uh, you're like, if you brought a friend tonight, you're like, he's usually really positive. I saw on social media he's been sick the past couple days. I'm, I'm sure it's going to get better from, like, yeah, but yes, and like one in every one person will die. It's the ultimate statistic. Look at your neighbor and say, that, that means you. <laughs> it's the most bummer neighbor statement ever. Like, you know, you know how, you know how, like, you know how, like, you know that you're going to die? Like, just live long enough. That's just, just, that's it. You just live long enough, and nobody makes it out of this life alive. Right? Like, like everybody will ultimately die. Ecclesiastes, um, Ecclesiastes, the, just like, just like our boy, no spoilers, just like, not saying no spoilers is kind of a spoiler, uh, but just like our boy, Robert Downey Jr., a.k.a. Iron Man, said, um, 
The end is part of the journey, and nobody likes to think about it, but Ecclesiastes verse seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 4, it says, a wise person, a wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Isn't that weird? Like, like imagine you, imagine someone follows you on Instagram, and you're like, do I know this person? And you go to their Instagram, and it says, like, Chet. And under that, his explanation of himself is, I think a lot about death. <laughs> it's just like pictures of like crows and like, like rainy clouds, <laughs> like, like a kid holding a popped balloon. <laughs> None of this is in the notes. It's just all my messed up brain. Um, but that's what the Bible says. And, and doesn't it make sense like if everybody, if like if everybody in the whole world, everybody in the whole world at some point in time were to be forced to take care of a duckling for five days, follow me. <laughs> Shouldn't you like think about that? Shouldn't everyone like this? Right, like, and everybody will die. So shouldn't we think about it? Shouldn't there be at least some, like, and the Bible says, actually, if you think about it a lot, you're actually wise. But only a fool thinks all the time about having fun. It's like, um, it's like when I go to Idaho, I went to Idaho a couple months ago, and I knew, like, when I get to Idaho, I'm going to land in Boise, and then I'm going to have to go get my bag. But I know that it's going to be from, like, because the bags, a lot of times you have to get them outside or really close to the door, so it's freezing. And I knew when I got to Idaho, it was going to be, like, 15 degrees. 15 degrees. You guys aren't, like mad enough about this. Like, that's why they called me to go to Idaho, because they're like, God's never been here, Corey. Can you bring him here to Idaho for us? It's freeze. Hell has frozen over in Idaho. Can you bring the fire of the Holy Spirit? I was like, I'm on my way. But when I got on the plane, I thought about my arrival, right? I was like, I'm going to arrive there. It's going to be freaking freezing cold. I'm bringing two jackets. And I did. I brought two jackets on the plane. I'm wearing one. I'm holding another. I'm sweating because if you've ever flown, like somehow you're freezing in the terminal and you step in and you're like, it's like a sauna in here. Can everyone please stop breathing? This is gross. And then someone farts and it's game over. Uh, have you seen the commercial? This has nothing to do with the message. The commercial uh, where, where someone farts and it's like a vapor. And then the vapor like goes into somebody's nose. It's, it's haunting my dreams. My gosh, if you fart around me, I'll punch you in the back of the head. Um, I'm just kidding, but seriously. Like, I was thinking about the arrival. We should think more about the arrival, the end game to life, because you're not getting out of life alive. And so tonight, our sermon in a sentence is this. For you note takers, who are my favorite, who I love more, and God loves more too. You, you know what? Note takers are like dog owners. Everybody loves them. People who don't take notes are like cat owners. We're all a little suspicious, okay? Just leave it at that. Cats are of the devil. Like, I just lost some of the, I just lost all the 12-year-old girls. Not my cat. My cat is so sweet. No, your cat's not sweet. Your cat hates you. Don't, oh, you don't believe me? You don't believe me? Stop feeding it for five minutes, and it'll go find someone else to feed them. Our sermon in a sentence is, I even had to take the iPad off the stand. Uh, part of the journey is the end. The question isn't if you'll ever die. The question is if you'll truly 
live. The question isn't if you'll ever die. You will die. The question is if you'll truly live. And so tonight, uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, we've already talked about death. Why not go to a piece of scripture called the final judgment? <laughs> it's good, guys. I'm, I'm, this is just... It's funny, but it's going to be good. I promise you that. We're going to read, actually, ooh, what's up, 46? What's, what's 31 to 46? How many verses is that? Just 10, 15 verses. We're going to read 15 verses tonight from the Gospel of St. Matthew. Would you, guys, uh, would you stand to your feet in honor of the reading of God's Word? People died so that we can have God's Word. I love showing it some respect. Here's what it says. We're going to read... 15 verses, Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the Sky Bible for your reading pleasure. Here it goes. Verse 31, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. Remember that, sheep from the goats. Everybody say sheep from the goats. Sound like you guys said something else other than sheep. Sheep from the goats. <laughs> at his, uh, he will place the sheep at his right and the goats at his left. Right and left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked, uh-oh, and you gave me... <laughs> You gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Watch this. This is, this is, this is incredible. Verse 37. Then the, the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did, we, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked, uh-oh, and, <laughs> and give you clothing? When did, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will say, I tell you the truth. You did it for one of the least of my brothers and sisters. You were doing it for me. Then the king will say to those on his left, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for who? For the devils and his demons. Not prepared for you. It wasn't prepared for you. It wasn't created for you. You weren't ever meant to even experience that. Verse 42, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked Uh-oh. <laughs> and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. When you refuse to help the least of these of my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. For your word and who you are, God, I pray speak to us tonight. God, help me get out of your way so that you could come and your word can go forth. Because when your word goes forth, it doesn't return void. Do what only you could do tonight. God, tonight we don't want just information. We want life transformation. So, God, would you show up in a real and a tangible way. And God, I pray that this evening that you would be moving in the locker room there in Oakland for the team that we all know you love more than any other team, and we're not talking about the Golden State Warriors. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. High five your neighbor, then you can be seated. Um, has anybody ever doubted you before? 
Okay, let me add on to the question. Has anybody ever doubted you in a way where your response was, oh, well, you're going to learn today? Because you just knew, like, your doubt, it's like, like, people oftentimes will look at me and think, like, uh, white boy can't jump. And I'll be like, I'll jump clear over, I'll, I'll get all the way up those eight, that eight stair right there. And they'll be like, no, you won't, and I'll jump up the eight stair. And be like, huh, you learned today? You learn to, you ever been doubted in a way where you were like, you're going to learn today. Um, so I was in, when I was in the sixth grade, it's like a therapy session. It all started back when I was in the sixth grade. Um, I was in the sixth grade, and for me, sixth grade was still elementary school. And so at the end of sixth grade, they had all the sixth grade classes had a relay race. It was a four by four, um, and it was a relay race. Everyone ran a quarter mile, I think it was. Um, and then whoever won, whatever four, whatever four people won for their class, their class got a pizza party. Woo! Stakes were high. To a sixth grader, yo, like, we did pizza party at Dorothy McElhaney last week. And, like, first lunch, I swear, like, 8,000 people showed up. <laughs> we didn't have enough pizza. It was either 8,000 or, like, 42. One is somewhere. Um, I'm an over-exaggerator, if you can't tell. So, so we started putting together our relay team for our sixth grade class. First thing they ask, who in the room is fast? A bunch of people put up their hands, and some of them you just look, looked at, and you're like, you didn't make the cut. <laughs> like, I, but I was one of them that was like, me, me, I'm super fast, pick me. And they were like, okay, so they're like, hey, you, you, Corey, you. Okay, so they picked four guys, I'm one of them. And they're like, okay, so what order do they run in? And I said, I'm going last, I'm going fourth. I don't know what that's called. Devonte, where are you? That's called the anchor, that's called the anchor. Here's what I had in my mind. Um, I was gonna go last and they were gonna have like the, uh, the tape stuff. And I said, dun, 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 dun. And I was gonna like, and then like, I don't know where the confetti would come from, but like there'd be confetti there. I would kiss a baby. Like, you know, like the whole, <laughs> it's like a presidential thing. Uh, this is just like what I was thinking. And like, then my whole class would like lift me up on their shoulders and we would go like eat some like grade A genuine pizza. Like it was Little Caesars hot and ready's for sure. But this was what I had in my mind. They said, no, Corey, you can't run fourth. You're probably not the fastest. And they're like, you gotta run third. And I was like, time out. You're telling me I don't get to go first. I don't get to go last. You're gonna stick me third? By the time it's third, it's like the first person runs. Everyone's all excited, woo, let's go! Second person's going, they're like, this is still really fun. But I'm, by the time the third person runs, they're like, are they still running? Oh my gosh, man. Like, but if it's the fourth person, people come back around and then they're ready for the finish line moment, right? Third was the worst spot to run, but I was forced to run third. And I started telling them, like, I'm the fastest one amongst all these kids. Like, you don't even know. I have a big brother. I have a big brother. You know how much I have to run from that guy? Like, so much. Like, I'm a white boy living on the east side of Riverside. You know how much I have to run? Oh, my God. <laughs> and so nobody wanted to listen. I ended up running third. So here's what happened. Our first guy runs, does great. He's pretty good, solid, sloppy baton handoff, but it is what it is. Second guy runs, terrible, so slow. Like we are like, no joke, I'm not, I exaggerate a lot, I'm not exaggerating. By the time I get the baton in my hand, we are in dead last. But your boy hit the NOS, went Vin Diesel on them, turned the guns on, and I started running as fast as I could, and um, they kept saying, pace yourself, pace yourself. I said, it's a quarter mile. 
What do I got to pace myself for? I'm going to run as fast as I can for all that quarter mile. They're like, Corey, you don't want to do that. I was like, of course I want to do that. There's one goal in running. Run really, 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 really fast. Like, what are you talking about? So I run as fast as I could, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, you guys. Like, you know, it's glory to God, but I dusted everybody. I'm not even kidding. Like, you're wondering what the point of this story is. There is no point. I just wanted to share with 200 teenagers. I dusted everybody else in my sixth grade class. That was it. You guys are stoked, but there were four people, remember? I was just the third. Now, I dusted everybody, and I even purchased for us a pretty good cushion. I hand off the baton to the fourth guy, who was much slower than me. Like, my pace was so fast that it was noticeable how much slower than me he was. But y'all laugh, but, like, I'm not even, I'm not, I, I went into this story thinking, Corey, you're going to, Corey, you're going to sound like you're bragging. I was like, forget it. I'm bragging. I've been sick for five days. I don't care. I'm going in. Like, the, our fourth guy was so slow that, like, I had purchased him, no joke, probably, like, a sixth of a mile of a cushion. The second place person caught up to him, seriously, right by nail biting, which then made, like, the final moment of crossing the finish line, like, so exciting. People are standing up. We're like, let's go. Come on. And I'm sitting there like, you wouldn't even have this moment if it wasn't for me and these Usain Bolt legs, man. Like, I was so mad. But we did win. We did win. Now, everybody's stoked, right? Everyone's, yeah! And they're all hyping the wrong person. Somehow, everybody forgot that, like, number one dude was casually just, like, jogging. Number two guy, like, fumbled over the baton. Number three guy was freaking flash all over the place. And number four guy was decent at best, right? But everyone's stoked about the pizza. I didn't care about the pizza. Why? Because for me, you know what it was about? I was faster than everybody else. That's what it was about for me. What are you saying, Corey? I'm saying, man, it wasn't about, it wasn't about the prize. It wasn't about the treasure. For me, it was about the time. Time over treasure, which is our first point. You see what I did there? <laughs> see the connection between the... <laughs> It's nothing to do with our action. No, it does, because I was faster than everybody else. All right? Don't. For, for the rest of the message, if you hear nothing else, I was faster. <laughs> uh, I'm still bitter. So throughout, um, <clears throat> throughout prepping this whole message, uh, as we're moving into our first point, time over treasure, I, I, I started thinking, I started thinking, I couldn't stop thinking about um, this idea, like, um, when people are in their last moments of life, we're talking about the end game to life, and I couldn't stop thinking about when people are in their last moments of life, the end game to life, when they're literally like on what, what many call their deathbed, and, and the things that are talked about in those moments. Can I tell you, I, I've been in those moments with people, I've held the hands of people who are laying in their deathbed, I've prayed over people who know that they only have possibly hours, maybe at most days, to live, and I've had those conversations. I don't know if you have, but I've had those conversations. And can I tell you, I've never once had a conversation with someone in, in those moments, and they said, oh man, really wish I had 100 bucks right about now. <laughs> like, I've never heard that. You know what they talk about almost every time, though? I just wish I had more time. See, time over treasure. Um, this, last, this last Saturday, at about 2 a.m., um, Amber and I received a call that, that we lost uh, her Aunt Kelly. 
She had been battling Alzheimer's for quite a while, and, and she went home to be with the Lord this last Saturday. And, and we've been in conversations, the family, um, but I'll be, I'll be doing the memorial service and all the details, and, and we've been talking about Kelly and her life. And can I tell you, one thing I haven't heard anybody talk about, not even once, well, how much did Kelly make annually? Nobody's brought that up. Nobody's, nobody's talked about, nobody's talked about, oh, how much is it going to cost to do the memorial? So, no one's talked about money once. You know what we talked about? The time that we had with her. The memories. Why? Because time is so much more valuable than treasure. And I know that, like, right now, like, you'll hear this all the time, right? Life is, life is so short. And I remember when I heard that at 15, I was like, that's just something old people say. <laughs> like, just old people say that, and it's an old person thing. Like, yeah, life is so short. Bread used to be a nickel, and you walked in the snow to school uphill both ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you get it. Our generation is soft, blah, 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 but you didn't have the internet, so boom. Like, you know, I thought that it was something that old people said. And then I graduated from high school, and I blinked, and I'm 30. Like, well, really, life, and I know that life doesn't seem short when you're sitting in math class and it's like, oh my gosh, this is going forever. Like, speed this up. Is there a fast forward button? Can I just get through this and get to the, like, but life is so very short. James chapter four, verse 14, it says, why you don't even know what'll happen tomorrow. You don't even know what'll happen tomorrow. You are a mist doesn't that sound like, like the Bible's roasting you? You're a mist. You are a mist. <laughs> we were playing basketball on Saturday, literally right before I got sick and went down for the count until yesterday. We were playing basketball, and Marco was guarding me. And I'm at the three-point line. Marco said, I said, you're not nice. No, no, I said, I'm not nice. He said, you're not nice. Did a little James Harden step back and hit a three in his face. No big deal. God, that's not what church is about. Glory to God. Um, Imagine, imagine if I, if I like did, and I hit the, I hit the three in his face. I said, Psh, "Your life's a mist." <laughs> like that's, I feel like that's what James, James, like your life, it's a mist. Oh, your life. <laughs> but that's what it's saying. Your life is, your life is so short. It's a mist. Listen to what it says. That appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is so short. And now, so. So I married a white woman, and, which means naturally we're really into essential oils. Wait, I, I have to. Lavender is so good for you. You don't even know, Corey. Got to spray lavender on your pillowcase. You gotta, oh, you're not feeling very well. You, a headache? Let me put peppermint on your temples. Like, oh, frankincense, they gave it to Jesus. It's also in your mister. <laughs> You guys are laughing. These are literally things my wife has said to me. But I think about, like, when I spray that mist, like, watch. You're born, and then you're gone. Can I challenge you with this? I, I, I know this might be a little bit cliche. This might be a little bit cheesy. I don't care. I beat that guy in the sixth grade at the race, and I'm going to embrace the cheesy as well. What if we all just committed to like, look, life is very short. And here's the thing. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody's even promised tomorrow. You don't know what's coming next. You don't know how many years you will live on this planet. You have no idea. So what if all of us together said, you know what, collectively, we're not going to take for granted the life that we have. Let's just make the most of our mist. 
Let's make the most of the moments that we, this is the most expensive illustration ever done. Somebody come and soak it. That's like $4 a spray, you guys. I really love you. What if we said we're just going to make the most of our mist? We might not be here long, but man, in those moments, I'm going to make the most of every single moment. I think one of the biggest lies the enemy plays on a young generation is to say, you got time? You got time? You live to 100, probably. You got time? Forget about it. Just keep, just keep living your life. No, no, no. Just keep spending 12 hours a day on Netflix. No, it's chill. Just keep spending nine hours a day on Fortnite. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. Man, we all need downtime. We all need to relax. But I'm saying, man, if life is so short, I don't want to waste a single moment. I want to give every moment to God and see what he will do with it. I want to make the most of my miss. I might as well. It's <laughs> an expensive illustration. Make the most of your moments. You can't increase your quantity, so might as well increase the quality. Make the most of your mist. Make the most of your moments. What if we all live like that? So how? How do we do this? Well, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. And, and one of the things I love about Bridge, you I don't like talking about race and nationality and culture too much because, I mean, We've kind of solved the problem. The, the world's like, oh, wow, what do we do? How do we solve the issue? There's still racism out there. There's still cultural divides. Like, what do we do? And I'm like, just come to the bridge. <laughs> like, we've kind of just solved the issue. Here. Like, none of us have problems with each other, and there's every race and nationality. But like, one of, the, one of the, my favorite things about... Um, one of my favorite things about being a pastor is being able to experience a ton of different cultures. And when it comes to making the most of moments, making the most of life, I gotta say, Hispanics probably do it the best. <laughs> Hispanic people, I love you for a couple reasons. One, because uh, anytime I go over to y'all house, you, eat, you, you feed me and then you send me home with more food to eat. <laughs> if my wife's not there, oh, take her a plate. <laughs> I'm like, these are the best ever. Um, they make, Hispanics make the most of every moment. Let me give you an example. I grew up, I grew up in a place where um, you'd be outside playing, you'd be outside skating, and you'd hear ding, 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 coming up the street. And you see a guy just walking up the street with a little cart and some bells on the cart, ding, ding, ding. And you know that that noise and that man with that cart meant one thing, elotes. <laughs> some of y'all are like, what is, what is, what's that? What's that stuff? What's the elotes? I don't know. I don't know elotes. Elotes are, um, it's like corn, but see, see, a moment is corn. Making the most of a moment is taking that corn, slathering it with I don't know what. I used to think it was mayonnaise until somebody corrected me and said it was something else. And then you pour uh, Parmesan cheese all over it. And then you pour uh, like melted butter all over it. And then you pour this like from the gods chili pepper all over it and then you eat heaven <laughs> that's making the most of a moment god bless you hispanics for elotes it's the best thing in the if you've never had it just go somewhere um where you're semi scared to get out of the car <laughs> like where i grew up <laughs> and and just listen for a ringing bell because that man has elotes and it will change your life but we all do, like, making the most of a moment is, is when you're standing, staring in the trunk of your car, and you're like, 
there's only so much arm and there's so many groceries. And there may come a day where we take two trips to get the groceries, but it will not be this day. <laughs> and you get in there and you like fling them onto the counter, like the milk like flies and hits the ground and spills everywhere. And your mom's like, what are you doing? And you're like, making the most of my mist. That's what I'm doing, mom. Make the most of your moments. Now look, let me just tell you that, that extraordinary moments often feel very ordinary in the moment. So what you gotta do is just make the most of the moments. Maybe you are playing Fortnite way too much. Okay, make the most of those moments. Because you might, you might be on the other end of a microphone with somebody that like you can just like encourage and love. Like maybe, maybe you're having like a sleepover and you have this sleepover every single week with the same friends and you're kind of getting bored with it. Make the most of those moments. Every single night, maybe your family gets together and they, and they eat dinner together. Make the most of those moments because you never know when your moments are going to be gone. Our moments with Aunt Kelly were gone as of Saturday, 2 a.m. Make the most of every single one of your moments. Time over treasure. What if we just gave our life and our time now to what will matter then? When? When you're laying on your deathbed and you begin to talk about all the things in life that actually matter. You won't mention money or your annual income or how much you have sitting in the bank because you know that you can't take that with you. You'll talk a lot more about the time that you had with people. Make the most of your moments. When I, when I read um, Matthew 25, I see all these moments with these people. Now, now before, you, uh, before you stop and you think, well, Corey, so then, ah, uh, okay, so to be a Christian, you make the most of your moments, and, and you're just super poor. You know, that's not what I'm saying. If, you, if, you, if you've noticed, I actually haven't said anything negative about money at all. As we, as we read Matthew 25, we see these things like, for I was hungry, and you fed me. Guess what? Food costs money. I, I, I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. Guess what? Drink costs money. I, I, I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. That cost both time and money. I was naked. Whoa. You gave me clothing. Clothes cost money. I was sick, and you cared for me. Medicine, especially in this day, costs a lot of money, and that would take a lot of time as well. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Commuting anywhere, whether in that day or today, would cost money, and it would cost time. So let me tell you, don't spend your time. Invest your time. It'll be the same with your money one day. One day, and yes, spend, spend your money. Yeah, like, I'm not saying no, not to spend your money. Go to Forever 21. Go to H&M. Go to Urban Outfitters. Go, whoo, go to Foot Locker. Go. Go to the Nike outlet. They were having killer deals over the weekend. Like, go, yes, but don't just spend your money. Invest your money. Don't just spend your time. Make the shift to invest your time. How do you invest your time versus spending your time. Well, you just make the most of your moments. 
I'll hear all the time as a pastor, you know, you know, Pastor Corey, here's the thing, here's the thing, I really want to, I want to like get involved with church, I want to help at community care, I really want to help at kids camp, I really want, I, I, you know, I really want to do more, I really want to go see my grandma more, I really want to help with this club at school, I really want to do this stuff that matters, but you know, I just, I just don't have, I just don't have time, I just don't have time. There's a, there's a Chinese philosopher named Lao Tzu who said, time is a created thing. To say I don't have time is to say I don't want to. Let me say it like this. You'll make time for what matters to you most. You, if, I, if I gave any one of you $100 and I said, but you have to spend it in the next 100 minutes, you would be booking it to the closest stores. Because that matters to you. You make time for what matters to you the most. Maybe the issue isn't that you don't have time. Maybe the issue is what matters to you most. So let me ask you, what matters to you most? What matters to you the most? Because when you put things through that filter, all of a sudden it begins to shed some light on what you're spending your time on. Steve Jobs said that, that it's apparent, it's obvious. Our most valuable commodity is time. And this guy was a multi-billionaire. What matters to you the most? The biggest, I, I can't help but to see that, that like the biggest difference between the sheep and the goats in this story is that the sheep were those who made the most of their time. And they actually just used their treasure to add value to their time. I pray we start living a little more like sheep where we are just adding value. The things that we, like the, the treasure we have, that's just to add value to our moments to make the most of our mist. Make the most, that got on my glasses. It's not coming off, guys. Now I won't be able to see. Now it looks like there's 4,000 people in the room. Let's leave it at this. Make the most of your moments. Let me say it like this before we move on to our next point. Um, make the most of your dash. What does that mean? One day... Um, we're all going to die. One day I'm going to die, and, and um, you know, we, we have life insurance, and part of our life insurance is, like, putting on the stuff, like, how do you, like, do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? What do you want? And I put whatever is cheapest. <laughs> like, but if you're buried or if you're cremated or if you have a place of uh, resting, you'll have a tombstone or a plaque of some sort that will say the year you were born, a dash, in the year that you died. Mine will say 1989. That's right, I was born in the 80s. Craziest seven months of my life. I don't remember any of it. That's how crazy it was. And then, I was an infant, get it? 89 dash. So I, I don't know, I pray I live a long life. I pray you live a long life. But even more than that, I pray that you make the most of your dash because you can't take money with you. You can't take possessions with you, which brings us to our next point. People over possessions. All I see here with these sheep in the story is that there were, there were a, a, a lot of people giving away a lot of stuff to a lot of other people who had a lot of needs. And, and I've, been with, I've been with people when they're on their deathbed, and I've never heard, I've never heard anyone on their deathbed say, like, I... I just wish I could go see my timeshare in Cabo one more time. Never heard that. You know what you know what I've heard? I wish I could just see my granddaughter one last time. People over possessions. There was this guy in um 
there's this guy in the New Testament called the rich young ruler, and he was called the rich young ruler because that's exactly what he was. What what he was? He was he was young, he was rich, and and he had a lot of authority. And um, Jesus gave him an opportunity to to come and be a part of the disciples, um, to go go and change the world, to help be a part of the movement that would change the world forever. And and when he asked, like, well, how? Like, what do I do to inherit eternal life? He said, well, follow all the rules in the Old Testament. He said, I've done that since I was a little kid. He says, cool, okay, so you just lack one thing. Go sell all of your possessions. Go sell everything you own. Give to the poor and then come follow me. And then in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 22, this is the guy's response. Maybe, maybe one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. It says, at this time the man's face fell. Another version says, he became very sad and went away sad, for he had many possessions. He had many possessions. And then he went on to live a life apparently meaningless enough that we never hear another detail about him and we never hear from him again. And I can't help but to think that, um, that what happened to this rich young ruler is the same thing that happened to the goats that were put on the left. It was that it was that they had all this stuff, they had all this money, they had all this pos- these possessions, but they didn't understand that the real value in our time spent here is found in people. That people will always, always be more than possessions. We say it like this, possess your possessions, don't let your possessions possess you. Hold tight to people. Keep a loose grip on possessions. Love and embrace the people around you so tightly. Squeeze as much time and moments out of life with them as you can. But your possessions, now now here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with possessions either. So with your possessions, you just use your possessions to bless people. See, you're blessed to be a blessing. What do you mean? If you have a swimming pool, use it. Use that possession to make the most that summer is here. And there are some people that will never be able to go and hit up a swimming pool if they don't get to go and do it with you. You got, you got Xbox? Invite your friends over. You got basketball court in your backyard? Make the most of it. Use your possessions to bless people, but never let your possessions possess you. Because I think that's what happened to these people who were sent to the left. I think that's what happened to this rich young ruler who lived such a meaningless life that we never even hear from him again. Are you using your possessions to love people? So, so we love people. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the answer then. Yes, yes, you love people. But more than just love them, you believe in them too. Let me elaborate. Um, what's your favorite Pixar movie? Go with me. What's your favorite Pixar movie? All great ones. I didn't hear anything they said. Um, so I watched, I watched this Pixar documentary um, called The Pixar Story. And as you guys know, if Corey watches a documentary, it ends up in a sermon somehow. Um, and and it, was, dude, it was incredible. Like, if, if, if you like that kind of stuff, go watch the Pixar story. It's on Netflix. It's fantastic. And it, it tracks along with the story of Pixar. And it begins, of course, with a, with a guy named uh, John Lasseter. John Lasseter, which um, uh, many of you are probably like, I don't know who John Lasseter is. But you may not know John Lasseter, but what you do know for sure is Toy Story. Come on, somebody. One of the best animated movies ever. Toy Story. I think, yeah, there it is. All right, where, where's all the people who, like, your favorite character was Woody? Come on, somebody. 
Buzz Lightyear. Where's the Buzz Lightyear people? Forget you. Potato Head. <laughs> yeah. Where's all the Slinky people at? Slinky was the business. Um, so John, John Lasseter, he, he, wrote, he wrote Toy Story. He went on after Toy Story to write um, A Bug's Life. And then after that, he went and he wrote uh, Toy Story 2, which all did really well. Um, and at this point in time, they had a joint contract with Disney. So Disney didn't own Pixar. There was a joint contract. And their main um, investor was actually Apple CEO Steve Jobs. And he became um, one of the faces of the organization Pixar as well. But here's the thing. Um, Steve Jobs had invested millions of dollars and three movies in. He had only lost money. And so the relationship with Disney then is getting really, really fragile. And um, the thing is, is in these first three movies, they only really, Toy Story being like the foundation with Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2, um, they started thinking like, Okay, so we have, to, we have to obviously produce a fourth movie and quickly a fifth movie. And, and John had this vision um, that, that, the, that the company was going to grow to the point where they would release at least one movie a year. So that would mean, obviously, that there would have to be multiple writers and multiple movies being produced at one time, which means that John would have to then believe in somebody else. And at this point, he had written all the Pixar movies, directed all the Pixar movies, and he decided to go ahead and believe in and take a chance in a crucial moment on a guy named Pete Doctor. And you might not know Pete, but of course you know Monsters, Inc. And Monsters, Inc. was a huge hit for Pixar. And shortly after Monsters, Inc. released, um, they were already in production um, with a movie that was, yet again, like they took a chance on another writer who was also working for Pixar at the time, a guy named uh, Andrew Stanton. And uh, you don't know who Andrew Stanton is probably, um, but of course you know Finding Nemo. And, and so the legacy goes on. And of course you know, um, you know Up and Inside Out, both written by Pete, uh, Pete Docter, and you know Wally and Finding Dory, who are both written by Andrew Stanton. Um, and the thing is, is that John had to take a chance and believe in somebody. You know in the Old Testament what, what God was almost always referred to, how God was referred to in the Old Testament? He was referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you don't know, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was three generations. Meaning what? Meaning it's not about you meaning God is a generational God, meaning, meaning it's not just about loving people. Get the possessions aside. It's not just about loving people. It's about believing in people and believing in people in such a way where like that sixth grade race where I dusted everybody else, there's a handing off of the baton that says, hey, I believe in you and I love you and I'm going to invest in you and I'm going to hand off the baton to you. So that, so that what? So that you can live out a legacy that outlives you. See, God's, here's your life. Oh, but wait, 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 right before it's done? What if we did that? And then that. And then what if this just happened every moment until Jesus came back? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. It smells so good up here. <laughs> and that's how we're called to live. That's why you should serve at kids' camp. Because it's not a, look, 
the old folks, they got to realize it's not about them. It's about, the, it's about like the 40 and the 30-year-olds. And the 40 and 30-year-olds, we got to realize it's not about us. It's about the 20-somethings. And the 20-somethings should realize it's not about you 20-somethings. I mean, you always think it's all about you 20-somethings. It's not about you. It's about the college students. And then the college students should be sitting here thinking, it's not about me. It's about, it's about the high schoolers. And the high schoolers should be thinking, it's not about me. My life is a mist. It's about the junior hires. And the junior hires should be like, it's not about me. It's about kids' ministry. And the kids' ministry kids should be like, no, it's about the little babies over there. Aren't they so cute? And what if we all live like this? What if we all live like this? Legacies that would outlive us. It's not about you. It's not about me. Our life is just a miss. But God is the God of forever. Of forever. I love the C.S. Lewis. I, I didn't even put it in my notes. But C.S. Lewis says, um, the present is the moment when time and eternity touch. The present, right now, is the moment where time and eternity touch. Because from now, this moment, till forever. See, God is forever. Our life here, it's just momentary. It's a blink of an eye. It's a mist. It's a fog. It's a vapor. It's here one moment, it's gone the next. But eternity, that lasts forever. Live out a legacy that outlives you. Part of the journey is the end. The question isn't if you'll ever die. The question is, will you ever truly live. And to truly live, you got to know people over possessions. So the band heads up. Um, time over treasure, people over possessions, Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. I truly believe that, um, that if we were all to put Jesus first, if we were to follow Jesus with everything, you're telling... Because here, here's, here's how this, this statement gets controversial to people who don't follow Jesus. Um, go, Jesus over everything. And they're like, Corey, even your wife? Yeah. Yep. Even my wife. <gasps> oh my gosh, you're not supposed to, nothing, no one ever. No, because if I follow Jesus with everything, I will be the husband that he's called me to be, which is the husband that Amber deserves. Jesus over your kids? I ain't got no kids, okay? So problem solved. There we go. Um, but even when I have kids, Jesus over, yes, because if I follow Jesus relentlessly with everything in me, all my passion and all my focus and all my drive after Jesus, then I will be the father that God's called me to be Jesus over everything. This is why my, my life verse, my life motto is uh, Philippians 1.21. I literally have it tattooed across my chest. It's it says to live, the apostle, the apostle Paul is talking here, and I'm just like, I'm going to jack those words, Apostle Paul. This is going to be my life. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. What does that mean? To, to live while I'm living, if I'm going to be alive, that means I'm going to live for Jesus with everything. And once I die, that's even better because I'm going to party with my Savior. Do you have a life verse? Do you, have, do you have a verse that you've stapled to your life and said, this is going to guide my life? Because I'll tell you this. There's been some times when I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I could do this anymore. I don't know if I could keep following G. And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can't. Where else would I go? Tonight I thought it would be cool um, as the band um, starts making this moment sound really special, more special than when, when Aladdin says, do you trust me? A whole new world. Can you play a whole new world? I'm just kidding. Don't play a whole new world. That'd be really awkward. Thought it'd be great to bring out some leaders, and they're gonna just share for you guys um, their life verses, verses that have helped guide 
their life and help give them focus and direction. And maybe tonight you say, I don't have a life verse. Maybe Philippians 1.21, or maybe it'll be one of these verses. What end do we, this end, huh? So they're gonna share their life verses. And as they do, man, if some of these stand out to you, write it down, because I promise you this, it'll bless you. So mine is 1 John 2.6 and the NIV, and it says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Mine is Proverbs 3.5, and it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. My life verse is Jeremiah 29.11 in the NIV, and it says, for I know I the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Mine is Philippians 4, 6, which is do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Mine is Ephesians 3.20, and it says, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. Mine is Proverbs 4.23, and it says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Mine is Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Mine is Joshua 1, 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, mine is, if you seek me and find me, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Mine is, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I remember um, I was in San Francisco one time, and, and we were doing ministry up there, and we were specifically doing homeless ministry. And uh, one night, it was, it was really late, and that night, uh, our ministry was really simple, really focused. Uh, we had these kind of backpack type things that were uh, water dispensers and, and they held um, like really hot water, basically boiling water. And what we did is we just brought out a ton of cup of noodles and we were just walking around um, this place in San Francisco called the Tenderloin, which is um, where they basically send all of the homeless people in all of San Francisco to this 12 block radius. And there's literally thousands of them living and laying on the streets everywhere. You can't go five feet without running into another homeless person. And, and this night we were going around literally just giving people a cup of noodles. And it was a really cold night and that time of year, um, much of the year, San Francisco is really cold. And so it was one of those like really special things where you realize how simplistic um, loving and blessing people is, how, how easy it is sometimes to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And though we were giving out a cup of noodles and, and we were getting towards the end of the night, Amber will remember this, uh, we ran into this uh, pretty young looking guy and, and we were literally on our walk back to where we were staying. And, and this guy, we saw him and we were like, hey, um, we, got, we have some cup of noodles, we just got a couple left. Uh, it'll be a warm dinner, do you want, do you want some? He's like, yeah, for sure. And so he comes over and he's a really cool guy, he's really sweet. He's just, um, soft-spoken dude and and uh, remember just making small talk as we were making the cup of noodles uh, making some it's like hey so what's your name and we exchange names and we're just talking and uh, give him his cup of noodle and he starts eating his cup of noodles and we're just sharing stories and just casually I said hey, so what so what are you up to tonight what, what are your plans and he was like what are my plans it's like yeah like what are you up to tonight 
said, well, my plans were to go find a parking structure and jump off of it. And we're like, whoa, <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, because, you know, here's the thing is that, like, if I die, then I die. But if I don't, then I get taken to the hospital and I get at least one or two nights in a warm bed with some food. So it's win-win for me. He said, but you know what? Um, not tonight. Cup of noodle. Change everything for this dude. Like, no, I can't tell. I don't know if this dude's still alive. I don't know what, I don't know what happened the next night. All I know is for him that night, cup of noodle changed, saved his life. Where we just took some time with a person to share the love of Jesus. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes we make it this huge deal. So we're at the last week of this series, and what's the end game to life? It's not, it's not about whether or not you're gonna die. Like you're gonna, you're gonna die. It's about whether or not you're really gonna live. To really live, I'm convinced. I'm utterly convinced. It's to live for Jesus. I think everything else is second rate, is second best. It's selling yourself short. It's buying the knockoff version. It's buying the generic brand. It's settling for less. I believe that the best way to live life to the fullest is to live it for Jesus. And tonight, this next few moments, you're gonna have the opportunity to make that decision. Don't put it off to small, like, <clears throat> like James said, we, like, you don't even know what's gonna happen tomorrow. We have no idea. Benjamin Franklin said, never leave till tomorrow that which you can handle today. So today you're gonna have that chance. You're gonna have that moment to make that decision. So you know at the end of your life. See, as so many people are living for so many things. There's people living for money. There's people living for fame. There's people living for notoriety. There's people living for status. There's people living for their career. There's people living for their families. There's people living for so many things. I'm living, I'm living for a sentence. That when I, I get to the end of my life, when my mist fades out, I know I'll be on the other side and I'll look into the eyes of my savior and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. What about you? Would you pray with me tonight? God, you're so good. We love you so much. I pray God that tonight um, you would soften hearts, God. I pray that tonight, God, that you would speak to individuals God, I pray in these moments right here, right now, that you would show up. Tonight, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here and you say, you know what? I never thought about how part of the journey is the end. Now that I am, I, it, it just makes me realize how important this life is. And I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna follow him. I wanna give my life to God. I believe I believe what you believe, Corey. The best way to live is to live for God. 
tonight, if that's you and in, in, in this moment right here, right now, you're saying, I want to make that decision. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I don't want to wait another moment. If that's you, um, I'm going to invite you to respond in a really simple way. In just a second, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to stand up. That's it. I just want you to, when I get to three, I just want you to stand up. And here's what I believe. I believe when we respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, that it seems to solidify it in our hearts and our souls and our minds. And so if that's you tonight, this is your moment. This is your time. There's no better way to live your life. And you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen next week. I, I, I hope that every single one of you live a very long life. But I also wish that every single one of you make the most out of your dash. And the best way to do that is to live for Jesus. So this is your moment. This is your time. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus. When I get to three, I just want you to stand up. One, two, three. Right now, if that's you, stand up. Anybody else? Amazing. Amazing. And it's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. It's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. It's amazing. Anybody else? This is your moment. This is your time. There's a lot of decisions you might regret one day, but this is not one of them. As you guys standing up, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you guys. Good job. It's the best decision you'll ever make. One more moment. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, one more step. I know this one will take some courage. This one might be, this one might be tough. Today, if you're standing up right now, I just want to pray with you. Would you do me a favor? Would you head down to the stage right now? If you're standing up, just head down to the stage right now. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. No one else is looking. You got to push them out of the way. Push them out of the way. Come on right down to the stage. I, mean, I just want to pray with you. Man, you guys are so awesome. You're so amazing. So rad. So rad. And it's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to pray together and maybe you've never uh maybe you've never prayed it's just talking to god like it's just like i'm talking to you right now and so um what i'm gonna do is uh, i'm gonna give you the words and then as a family together we're all just gonna pray them together okay so uh know this these aren't like magical words it's not like expect expecto patronum and you're saved um here's what it is you just you just say them and you believe them with your whole heart and you'll be saved that's how it works and i know that that sounds very simple but that's the gospel it's not, see, because, because salvation, it isn't based on you, it's placed on you. And that's the decision that you just made. And so we're going to pray this prayer together. Um, everybody, right out loud, man, as a family and support, can you help pray with us? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Pray this right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. No looking back and no turning back. Thank you for loving me and thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen.